Lovers, this episode is sponsored by Blue Chew. We all know that there is more to confidence in the bedroom or the kitchen or the sex club or a stairwell or the woods or wherever you are. There's so much more to sex wherever you do it than just jackhammering away. But if all you're missing in your relationship is some mutually beneficial stiffness, check out BlueChew.com. BlueChew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra, Cialis, and Levitra, but in chewable tablets and at a fraction of the cost. You can take them anytime, day or night, so you can plan ahead or be ready whenever an opportunity arises. The process is simple. Sign up at BlueChew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you are approved, you'll receive a prescription within days. The best part? It's all done online, so no visits to the doctor's office with the doctors that never got trained in sex ed and how to talk to people about it, plus no waiting in line at the pharmacy. Blue Chew's tablets are made in the USA and prepared and shipped direct to your door in a discreet pack. They say that there is nothing sexier than confidence, and Blue Chew can help give you confidence where it counts. Of course, I know you sweet listeners know that using confidence to connect, if you can be confident enough to be really vulnerable with someone, to communicate, to create a safe space that you occupy together, that is super hot. That's the foundation of a connection. And if you have a boner, that can definitely help you do certain things that you know that I love, just as long as you don't skip all the other stuff too. Blue Chew and I want you to have better sex. Discover your options at bluechew.com. And as they say, chew it and do it. And we've got a special deal for our listeners. Try Blue Chew free when you use our promo code LOVER. At checkout, you just pay $5 shipping. That is bluechew.com promo code LOVER to receive your first month free. Visit bluechew.com for more details and important safety information. And thank you to Blue Chew for sponsoring the podcast. Hello, lovely humans. I'm Wyo Lee, and you are listening to Sex Stories, a podcast where we share personal stories in an effort to understand and connect with one another so that we may all lead better laid lives. Our guest today is a 53-year-old recently-ish single non-monogamous straight dude who grew up on the Upper West Side of Manhattan in the late 80s. He is into novel sexual situations and throughout his life has experienced many different depths of connection with his partners, which we are going to hear about. He is also into prostate massage, his cock being worshipped deeply, giving and once receiving anal, and he even surprised himself by being super duper into helping a partner fulfill a double penetration fantasy in a threesome with two penises and one pussy owner. A software engineer, house renovator, and writer whose book Seek the Risk is about his journey into non-monogamy. With us today from New York, welcome Adam. Hi, Wyatt. It's great to be here. I'm so excited to have you here. Can you please start off by telling us, if you had to rate yourself on a sexual shame-o-meter with 10 being the most full of shame and one being like, nah, I'm good, where do you fall today and what has that kind of roller coaster of shame been like for you throughout your lifetime? Right. So it somewhat depends on who I'm with, but if I had to give an average, I would say I'm probably between a two and a three. Mm -hmm. It started way higher when I was younger, coming from a somewhat more traditional background. Probably say I was in the six range. And as I got older, went out in the world and started realizing that sex is normal, slowly, surely, it definitely kept getting lower and lower. I got to actually maybe got to five until I met Jane, who the book is about, and she basically took me down to the two area, showed me that, hey, sex is normal and wonderful. So, Is Jane the risk that you sought? Jane is Jane is the risk. That okay. is correct. Ooh. <laughs> okay. And can you give us just an idea of what Manhattan traditional is like? Like, I know all of us have such different backgrounds. Like, what was kind of that texture like for you growing up? 
Sure. I mean, I grew up in New York City, so my traditional is probably some other areas of the country incredibly liberal, but non-monogamy wasn't even, that wasn't even a word. It was the traditional of, oh, you'll meet a girl and you'll get together and you'll get married and you'll have kids. I grew up with that paradigm throughout my life. And I remember the very first time I ever heard the word non-monogamous, I think I was in like 2021, and I was like, oh, that's what I'm feeling. So when I say I grew up traditional, obviously there was a lot of very liberal ideas in New York City, but the idea of one life, one wife or monogamy was sort of the default. Okay. Um, so that's what I mean by traditional monogamy, default monogamy. That relationship escalator where you just keep going, going, going until you do the ring thing and you don't even know if there's another option. Okay. So on that note, as you reflect on your personal life, like when you just kind of look back on all of it and think about, you know, the euphemisms, the social norms, the cultural messages, polite, I'm doing that with air quotes, like white lies that are supposed to be polite, they're theoretically polite, they're literally lies. Um, I call these regular human lies because it's very normal to do this. However, for me, they're very confusing. I'm like, just tell me the real thing. So as you reflect on kind of some of that, do you know what I'm talking about? Like the euphemism vibe, the niceness of our culture? I would love to hear how, like, maybe any of those messages negatively affected your ability to give, receive, or understand pleasure. So this is a this is a new question. It's a new noodle, but it's like, you know, you've had this kind of awakening, right, where you are in a headspace now with non-monogamy, where it was vastly different from what you were raised with. And I wonder if there were any moments of waking up to sort of some of the cultural norms that it's like, oh, that's that's a regular human lie. Like, I don't actually have to live that way, you know, and, and were any of those things a block to your pleasure? I mean, monogamy itself, right? Yeah, I mean, basically the monogamy idea that the thought of only being attracted to one woman, that was the biggest lie. Oh, you're once you find the right woman, you're only going to be attracted to her. That was right. the first thing. And I thought there was something wrong with me because... I was attracted to most of the women. Same. I, saw. I mean, yeah, me too. Like, I'm yeah. like attracted to everyone. And I just have to figure out when yeah. on, off, I mean, switch, like, and like speed. And yeah. when I look at them, I'm like, hmm, I wonder what sex with her would be like. Yeah. <laughs> Once I finally got past that, it did open up a lot of pleasure. That was the biggest one, I think. Anal play as well. That was that. Yes. Oh, no. Someone touched my asshole. Oh, my God. No. I. But oh, wait, that feels kind of good. Yeah. That was a big one. Yeah. yeah. I didn't even know it was a thing until a partner was like, and this? And I was like, it was a what? I'll try it. What? <laughs> you know? So you said you were 21 or 20-ish when you first heard about non-monogamy. Do you remember when, how, where, like what that was? Gosh, I don't remember. But I remember the emotion very clearly. I do not remember where I was. But I remember I heard the word non-monogamous. And it just like this light bulb went up. It's like, oh, that's what I am. That's mm. what I've been doing. I, I was somewhere out in one of my sports adventure worlds, which is kind of a little book teases all those in. But I think I was with some of my adventure partners and someone said that they were non-monogamous. I just was like this light bulb. Like it just, it was vocabulary. I didn't even know it was out there. Okay. It was, I mean, it was, I mean, this is 30 years ago at this point. So, yeah, you know, it yeah. was a very different world than we're in now. Okay. But before we get to all of the details of that story, before then, what are the first memories that you have of sex, especially sex education? But like, when did you first hear about it? What did you learn about it growing up? Like, tell us your formative years. 
So I was very lucky growing up in New York City, and we had sex education. I think the first sex education we had was in fourth grade, and it was pretty good. I went to public school in New York, and the sex education that we got in fourth grade was, looking back now, I, it was pretty good. But my mom was a public school teacher, so when I was in second grade, she actually gave me my very first sex education. I remember this so clearly. She sat me down with a book and said, this is where babies come from. And she went through the whole thing of penis and vagina and man and woman loving each other and creating a baby, and this is how it works. And I was totally blown away, and I went to school the next day. I remember this so clearly. And I told one of my best friends, did you know this is how babies are made? And he goes, that's not true. That's yeah. not how babies are made. <laughs> <laughs> what was your reaction to that? Were you like, oh, maybe I'm wrong? Or were you like, no, it is. No, I knew I was right because my mom okay. showed me in a book. Like, yeah, and no, I, I total trust in my mom. Like, she was right, and and I think I think eventually he came back to me and was like, "Oh wow, you're right." By the way, yeah, <laughs> but this is second grade. Wow. That was my first experience of learning about sex. My first feelings of sex were probably even maybe earlier. I was always been very sexual and always had a really high sex drive, and I remember just feeling pleasure in my groin and like, oh, that feels good. And before I was old enough to orgasm, I remember having these just incredible, just powerful feelings down in my groin that I couldn't explain. And yeah. it's like, wow, that feels really good. And then I was lucky when I was 13 in my neighborhood, there were a few neighborhood girls that were fairly adventurous as I was. And we started the four of us, myself and these three girls, started getting together after school and getting naked and playing with each other's parts. And so I was having these foursomes with three women. We didn't have any penetrative sex, but we used mouths and tongues on body parts. And those were my first sexual experiences with these three women. Wow. Okay, so what unfolded from there? And at the time, did you have any concept that that was sexual or was it just curiosity play for you at that moment? No, I, I, it was sexual, definitely sexual. Yeah. And I remember one of the, we were all 13, but one of the girls, she had gone through her puberty already very, very well and had these huge breasts. And I was just totally overcome with her curves. I was, it was very sexual to me. It was very arousing. It was just all I wanted to do was play with her curves. Wow. Uh, I remember that very clearly. Okay. Looking back at your younger years, was there any aspect of sex education that you wish you had had? You know, whether that's emotional context, any sort of other conversations. Like, what do you wish? Like, if you could have, like, bopped down a fairy genie god teacher to teach you sexy things, like, how would you have filled in your experiences? Even with all the sex education that I had, there was still a shame element to it and a taboo element, even with all the good sex that I had with my mom, even my mom was like, because it's one woman, one man kind of thing. Okay. It would have been nice to learn that people can choose to do something different. For some reason, and I do not know why, I had a lot of shame around masturbation when I was 15, 16, 17. And I don't know why. I don't remember ever being told, certainly by adults, that it was wrong. It may have just been the environment of children making fun. Oh, you know, don't be a masturbator. Who knows what? But I remember having a lot of shame around that Damn. growing up. And it wasn't until I got into my probably college, maybe even later, 21, 22, that I started actually really letting go of that and going, oh, masturbation's fun. So what if I do it five times a day, right? Okay. <laughs> was there anything that catalyzed that or was it sort of just part of your evolution? 
I think it's just part of my evolution. There is something back there I can't access. It. There's a memory back there of a moment when I finally decided it was okay, but I can't remember what that catalyst was. Okay. Okay. So between the, am I a bad person if I say out loud, 13-year-old foursomes and your college years? Um, <laughs> well, I mean, you know, but also it, it, I do want to point out in a very serious way, this is the problem when it comes to like adults educating around childhood experiences, right? We're not allowed to talk to, unless you are an educator right. for a school. It's like, we are curious at young ages. And so it's like people are like, oh, you're a pervert. But it's like, well, a lot of us had experiences at younger ages. So in a very serious way, what else formatively happened between your 13-year-old kind of like exploring your body with others and your college age where you're like, I like masturbating. Like what else is important from, <laughs> from those years? Well, the first thing was as I got older, if I just step outside the sex for a second, as I started getting older and growing up in New York City in the late 80s, which was a pretty rough and tumble place to be. There's so much adventure on the streets. I started getting addicted to exciting adventures. And that just then translated to the bedroom, right? Okay. My first sexual experiences were with these women. Like there was two, three, four of us in the bed at the same time. So it was exciting having wild and wild and crazy, I'm using air quotes, wild yeah. and crazy sex. Ooh, group sex, right? But it is so exciting, especially in those young years. Like it's dopamine through the roof. I, I think yeah. that is still, just, just so you know, you're talking to a person that like, most of my significant life choices have been made in pursuit of satisfying like next level sex. Like I am seeking it. I don't, I don't think of it as a risk, but I think of it as like, nutrients. So I would love to hear any details of those experiences that you feel comfy yeah, Sure. I was lucky in high school and did have a number of sexual experiences with women. But when I got to college, somehow, and I don't know how, I ended up connecting with a few pairs of women who liked taking a boy home. And I, and I ended up just having a lot of these threesomes through college, which were fantastic. Okay. <laughs> it, was, it was amazing. I had, first, I had a, a girlfriend, my my freshman year. So I was actually monogamous through my freshman year. And then we broke up and then I started hooking up with these two women and they were hooking up with other people. And I think that maybe that was when I heard the night. I can't remember, but I started the adventure of new partners and the adventure of discovering a new body was phenomenal. I still, I was very young. I was, let's say 20, 21. I still would not say I was very good at sex. So I didn't know how to make sex good, but if it was adventurous, it felt good. So I think the adventure was sort of taking the place of the experience level at that point. I love adventure, but once I actually started learning how to have sex, I started being able to get a lot more enjoyment out of partnered sex as I got better and better and knowing someone's body. So that, there was an evolution there for sure. But the excitement of the new body, the excitement of a new environment, that was kind of cool. I love that. I would love to take just a little detour to hear kind of your current definitions of good sex, right? Because it's very, I think, difficult for us to put a, totally, a label or definition right? on. And it's something that I think for me has been evolving over the years. So I would love to hear kind of like what you learned and especially in reference to these words, good and better, like how are you kind of thinking mm -hmm. about that or quantifying that? So I had fantastic sex with a one night earlier this year, and I had fantastic sex with someone I've known 30 years. And they're both very different. They're both were incredibly satisfying. So maybe I'll describe those two, those two experiences. I love examples. 
<laughs> the woman I've known for 30 years, when we get together and we have a glass of wine and we start getting sexy and we start knowing each other's bodies, we know what pushes each other's buttons and we sink into a sultriness of connection. It's so impossible to get that without a depth of shared experience. And when you can call on that history, there's a connection that makes the pleasure and makes the caring. And, and there's a bond that there's no other way to get that except with time. Mm -hmm. And a session like that where, I don't know how many, an hour, two hours, whatever it is, and then you collapse in bed together and you've, you've both just exhausted yourselves and you're lying there looking at the ceiling and just feeling so close because you know the person beyond. It's like a next level intimacy. And then you sleep so well. <laughs> Because you're just you're you're in the arms of someone you you've just had this great experience yes. with and you feel so connected to and that's the measure right how well you sleep right it's like oh yeah. my god I've been exhausted by also, sex with someone I love it's a true fact that we have higher levels of prolactin release the thing that makes us sleepy after partnered sex than we do after masturbation it's a thing I believe it. Mm -hmm. And then I went on a, a friend of mine connected me with a woman earlier this year, actually probably about a year ago now. And I met her and we went out and had a drink and then we were just feeling the energy and we went back to my place. And I'm 53. We fucked for like 12 hours and I came four <laughs> times in 12 hours and I was just like, I haven't come four times in 12 hours and I can't remember <laughs> when. And we both were just like, holy shit, that was incredible. It was, I mean, we didn't sleep very well because it's always weird sleeping with someone when you were a brand new person. Yeah. Uh, but my God, the sex, we kept waking up and having sex with each other. It was so hot. Yeah. So both of those are examples of just, and just the novelty and the new body and the adventure of it. It's really exciting when it's a yeah. brand new body. <laughs> I, too, am a person who loves exploring new bodies. Like, they are magical mysteries. I have a brain, too, that's very good at, like, remembering this person is not that person. And so I really bring my beginner's mind of my meditation practice to every body that I fuck and engage with. And that, for me, is a big part of being with a new person, right? That unknown. And then, of course, as you said, building that trust and hotness is yummy. What are your favorite parts of discovering a new body, if you can put it into words, like energetically, specifically, like what are your favorites about newness? My favorites about newness. I so I gotta hope that doesn't hope this doesn't come out wrong. <laughs> if someone's judging you for sharing vulnerably, then they have some self-reflection to do because this is a fresh noodle. All right. Excellent. One of my favorite things about a novel experience is being objectified. Mm. At being thought of as just a hot bod or a hard cock. Like, oh. I just, yeah, like I'm just a tool. Like, I'm a fuck toy. I love, I love yeah. a fuck toy too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you just can't get that from a partner you've known for 30 years. I, I just, someone can't look at you with those new eyes. Someone sees my body for the first time and I've been an athlete my whole life. And I still, it's just amazing. And yeah. when they just they run their hands over you and they're just, exploring the contours and learning the new nooks and crannies and seeing someone's eyes light up. Like, I love that. That's, that's probably the best part about, yeah, the newness being objectified and being able to objectify, mm -hmm. right? Here is a woman who just wants to get fucked and be connected sexually. And that's it. She doesn't know me. She met me an hour ago, but she already just wants to be fucked by me. And I love that. It's a powerful feeling. 
I fucking love that. Jumping back to your college years real quick, what do you think made you such a great choice for the penis in threesomes? Like, do you think you gave off like a threesome vibe or were you like a secure dude or was it like, hey, I had a threesome with these two and words started getting around or like, what do you, what do you attribute that to? I honestly don't know. And my wife and I have actually, ex-wife and I have had conversations about it. She's seen it too. And she's like, what is it? You seem to attract people who like X, Y, Z. I don't understand how people just look at you and know because you don't put it like I don't I'm not overly sexual. Like I don't talk about sex a lot. I'm not sex is not part of my profession. It's probably good if you want to have a sex life. I've discovered the hard way. (laughs) (laughs) So you don't have a tattoo that says I like threesomes like on the back of your neck or anything. (laughs) I I do not. I I do not. (laughs) I shouldn't Um, get one of those. Right. Part of me is like, how should I signal stronger? I don't... Clavicle <laughs> tattoo. <laughs> I like girls too. <laughs> okay, I'm being exactly. silly. But so you so you really have no idea? I don't. I, it keeps happening to me. I had a climbing partner. Once came up, we were on a climbing trip and we came back and he said, hey, I'd really love you to help me fuck my girlfriend. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> he goes, so yeah. Hard. And I was like, how would you know? I mean, I mean I'd never done that before. And... Okay. How would he felt comfortable enough to ask? But I was like, yeah, let's like, okay. try that. Oh, <laughs> and it was amazing. So oh, man. I recently thought I was about to have my first male male with me. And I, I got so close and then it didn't happen. So that's still my, my current first holy grail. <laughs> my ex-wife, the double penetration was her holy grail. And I, yeah, she, I, I really ended up finding out I really like being one of the penises in a double penetration. We, do you care which one? Like, do you prefer to be the base? I do, do you care. Prefer to be the, tell us details. Tell us details. This <laughs> seems like a good time for you to tell us details of your delights of double penetration. <laughs> well, first, when I had that first MFM with my climbing partner, we didn't do a double penetration. It was okay. just mouth and vagina. I guess that's a double penetration, but not a DP. It's spit roast. I'm learning spit all the rest. There you go. Mm-hmm. There you go. It's a spit mm-hmm. rest. So when I started getting together with my wife, which is the, the whole story of the book, and she's this sexual powerhouse. I mean, like, I'm looking at this woman like, oh, my God, I am not worthy as far as her sexual appetite and her sexual experience was. And so this is about the seek the risk, like going into a relationship with someone who just has so much more experience than I did. And she floated the idea, would you be okay to do this. And I said, yeah, sure. I'll try that. Why not? Let's do it. I said, but I, I want to be in the ass. <laughs> and she said, well, that's great. Cause you're really good at anal sex. So yeah, let's. And so it, apparently it's pretty hard to find, or this is 15 years ago. It's, it's kind of hard to find another willing penis owner. Depends on the circles you run in. I hear. That is true. But even she ran in some pretty progressive circles and you can actually find someone, but then Generally, this performance issue we found out a lot of the time. People get nervous. Penises require some stimulation, and yeah, sometimes yeah. it doesn't always work. Well, here's the thing. If we all had more MMFs and MFMs, maybe the penises wouldn't get so nervous. Every I'm just saying, we just got to practice, you, you are, know? You are 100% <laughs> right, actually. <laughs> so it was wild. And what I loved about it is how much pleasure she got, like seeing yeah. her in ecstasy. And that's where she comes over and over and over again from having two penises. And it was great being that anchor, being, yeah. being the guy who could always, yeah, it was hot. Did you get to do different positions? Like, was she like on you kind of spooning or like what? Or was she facing you? Like, will you give us some physical? I always just like love hearing the descriptions of physically like what some configurations were. It's usually the other guy would be laying down. 
Okay. And I would be in her ass. She would be straddling him. I'd be in her ass. And then while she's on my, my cock, I would lift her up and put her onto the other penis. That's and then she would have both of us inside her. And then you can totally feel the other guy's cock rubbing against yours in between the vaginal in between. The walls. I yeah. love that so much. And in the asshole, well, tell me if you can really feel this on your cock. Because one of my greatest like obsessions is when the partner is coming or like if I'm in my asshole or partner's asshole, like during the orgasm time, like the squeezing, I love feeling the asshole specifically squeeze. Can you feel that oh, yeah. on your cock? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I just think that's when so When a woman hot. orgasms and, and my penis is in her ass, yeah, it's absolutely yeah. just clenches. Boom. It's, it's a lockdown. It's completely it's awesome. different from when my fingers are in my pussy. Like it's a completely different feeling. Like it, and it turns me on in a completely different way. And it doesn't matter if mm-hmm. I'm in the ass of a penis owner or a pussy owner. Like I like it. I really like that's where I'm like, no, we are all one. We all have something in common. <laughs> we have assholes. <laughs> they squeeze we when have we assholes. come. <laughs> exactly. That's so cool. Okay, so I've really made your story go very squiggly out of order. But between these college years, when you were kind of like having all these threesomes, discovering that you weren't monogamous, like, was there a time gap between claiming the non-monogamy? Like, at what point did you meet your former wife? And also just like, as a person who has high desire, I'm like, how do I not scare the boys? Just got to find the right boys. Oh, maybe that's it. Okay. (laughs) Maybe they need to read my book. Yes. Go read the book. The book is about if she scares you, you should probably go date her. Mm, interesting. Well, okay. Uh, we'll, get th- we'll get there. So as we were talking <laughs> about with how sometimes people in these novel situations, penis owners, maybe go flaccid because it's so new, it's overwhelming. However, you and I are also the type of people that can get turned on by novelty. And I personally have some days where my body is like in concordance basically like it's on the same page and my arousal matches my arousal in my brain and then i've had days where my body's like like i'm not gonna come because i'm so turned on and i'm so paying attention to everything you know and usually at that moment i need like a lot of impact play to get kind of bolted back into my body have you had both experiences with novelty or are you so turned on by novelty that it just like keeps you turned on so i've never had a situation where i couldn't come when i wanted to Whoa, whoa. Ever, (laughs) never, not once? I mean, I sure there were some nights when I'd probably done some drugs and I couldn't. But in terms of any any normal experience. Are you aware that's hyper unusual? Like like most people? Yeah. Because I know a lot of penis owners who don't know that that's unusual. So I'm trying to spread the word of like, it's very normal for penises to not, you know. Yeah. And my wife, who has been with more men than anyone else I know of and she was always like you're not normal your cock is not okay. normal <laughs> Ooh, abnormal cock <laughs> it's not, yeah abby normal <laughs> abby normal <laughs> cool okay so so go back to filling in your details because i totally derailed you with a detail question right so i mean i didn't have so many i had a few threes i had some threesomes in college i wouldn't know if you'd call it a lot or, or a little but then after college i got into the dating world and i knew I liked casual sex and I was having some casual sex. And then I had my first real partner at 25, like long-term, got into it. And we would occasionally have a threesome with someone else. And boy, I felt like, hey, I'm living this wild life. I had threesomes. (laughs) Yeah. I still feel like that every time I have a threesome, just so you know. I'm still like, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, but this this is actually relevant. Why? So I, okay. you know, I had this this five year relationship with this woman that was 
it was good. And we had anal sex. Ooh, we were freaky. We had anal sex. I still didn't know what kink was. In my head, I was kinky because I mm. liked anal and we occasionally had threesomes. Now, during this period is during the years I was competing in extreme sports and such. And so I had this real, very, a very masculine dominated idea about sexuality and about my relationships. And this will tie into the story in a minute. And we exited that. We broke up when I was about 30. And then I had a few other relationships that were similar to that one, where we had a lot of sexual energy and occasionally we had other people join us in the bedroom. Sometimes as I got into mid-30s, I had a girlfriend where we actually went on a website and found another couple <gasps> and swapped. Fun. Like okay. I'd never, never done that. And I was like, whoa, I'm, I'm living life. Like parallel? Were you like in the same room? Tell us details. Yes, on the same room, all four of us on the same bed. And that was while then we went to a sex party together, mm -hmm. this girlfriend. So this is this now I'm fully exploring ethical non-monogamy. And we go to this sex party, never been to one before. And we were totally scared and newbies and didn't know what we were doing. We went to like a meetup at a bar because we read it. We were on a website somewhere. We went to the bar and there was a bunch of people there and they said, hey, we're going back to someone's house. Do you guys want to go? And we were like, oh, no, 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 we're not going to go. And they gave us the address. It's like, well, if you change your minds, here's the address. And so we sat in the car for 20 minutes. Like, do we, because we both wanted to go, but we were terrified. Okay. And so we, we, we go to this sex party and we knock on the door and they open us in. Everyone's naked, except that we're fully clothed. And we're like okay, we're going to keep our clothes on just because we we were nervous. And after yeah. about 10 minutes, we're like, okay, we can't keep our clothes on. We'll just go down our underwear. We're not hooking up. And then we were down in our underwear and then the underwear came off and like, okay, but well, maybe just some kissing and touching. We're not really. And then by the end of the night, we were having sex with everyone. It was like this crazy wild and all 12 of us were in this room with mattresses. And that was my first sex party experience. Wow. That was pretty wild. And it was, we were the newbies. They all knew each other. So everyone was paying attention to us. And oh, wow. I remember at one point, I'm like on my back, I have five women just totally <gasps> touching me. I look over at my girlfriend. She's got five men on her totally touching. <laughs> oh my God, I want to have laughing. five women and men touching me. That sounds, that sounds like a great first sex party. How was it for you guys? It's great. We had, the, yeah. it was awesome. Yeah, we wow. still talk about it. It's hilarious. Yeah, she's one of my best friends. And that was my evolution of thinking like, oh, I'm, I'm a god. Look at all this great sex I'm having. Look how masculine I am. I'm having threesomes with women. And then I met Jane, who is the person the story's about. And she thought my level of sexual experience was adorable. Yeah. <laughs> she's like, oh, that's cute. Oh, you have threesomes. Isn't that adorable? And I was like, wait, wait, what? <laughs> She's like, yeah, I slept with 500 people. And I was like, what's the craziest thing you've ever done sexually? And she was like, I once got gang banged and bukkakeed by 12 men. And I was like, I don't even know what bukkake means. <laughs> Lovers, this episode is sponsored by Blue Chew. We all know that the foundation to an awesome sex life is excellent mental and physical health. But if proper rest, exercise, and a healthy lifestyle aren't leading to the blood flow you'd like when and where you'd like it, check out bluechew.com. Blue Chew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra, Cialis, and Levitra, but in chewable tablets at a fraction of the cost. You can take them anytime, day or night, so you can plan ahead or be ready whenever the opportunity arises. And the process is simple. Sign up at BlueChew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you are approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. The best part, it's all done online, so no visits to the doctor's office, no dealing with awkward physicians who aren't trained to talk about sex lives, plus no waiting in line at the pharmacy. Blue Chew's tablets are made in the USA and prepared and shipped direct to your door in a discreet pack. 
They always say first impressions are important, but what about lasting impressions? Lovers, I do believe that we can always make loving, lasting impressions by connecting and being present and chasing our pleasure and our partner's pleasure. And if your priority is making a deep, deep impression between two beautiful, enthusiastic thighs or cheeks in the name of partnered pleasure, I get it. I've worn a strap on now. I too love having a hard cock. Blue Chew and I want you to have better sex. Discover your options at BlueChew.com. Chew it and do it. And we've got a special deal for our listeners. Try Blue Chew free when you use our promo code LOVER at checkout. You just pay $5 for shipping. That is BlueChew.com promo code LOVER to receive your first month free. Visit BlueChew.com for more details and important safety information. And thank you to Blue Chew for sponsoring the podcast. Lovers, we are going to take a quick pause for a word from our sponsor. And they have given me notes to do a sultry female voice. So I'm very excited and I'm going to do my best. Did you know the Flora app is a safe place to open up, embrace your desires, and find like-minded people? This is the story of one couple who found the threesome of their dreams, discovered a new level of shared passion, and stepped into a whole other realm of possibilities. All thanks to Flora. As life's routines settled in, Robert and Lucy found themselves yearning to explore uncharted territories. So they downloaded Floor and embarked upon a thrilling journey of sensual experimentation, learning more about each other's desires in the process. Open-minded and adventurous, Robert and Lucy dreamt of adding a new dimension to their intimacy, sharing the touch of another woman, being witnessed and connecting in a way that transcends the ordinary. In Floor's diverse and accepting community, Lucy connected with Emily, a babe craving the same experiences. So they invited Robert to the conversation. The chemistry built and anticipation heightened as they exchanged messages until finally their agreed-upon date night arrived. A gorgeous hotel was the setting for their evening of pleasure, passion, and connection. A shared exploration that fulfilled each party's desires. Floor App celebrates the beauty of open-minded connections. It's a platform where fantasies come to life and desires are embraced without judgment. For couples seeking adventure with others or individuals keen on exploring, Floor invites us all to a world where every desire is a possibility waiting to unfold. Download Floor now, express your desires freely, and find like-minded people today. So how did you meet? Like, what was that like for you? And I'm, I'm guessing it's the first person that you met who was kind of like that, right? And it was all just in totally. her personal life, or was she a sexual professional of any sort? No, she was a sexual professional. She was getting a PhD in human uh, psychology with focus on human sexuality. She's a sex educator. She'd uh, written books. She was a social media person, or was going to be. Not at that point. She was still in school. But I met her at a dinner party at my house. Some friends brought her. They picked her up at a club a few weeks earlier. They're having these crazy threesomes with her. But what struck me is just who she was as a person is how I really got attracted to her. I mean, she's gorgeous, but she was a really interesting individual. And as we got to know each other over the next couple of years, we just connected on so many non-sexually, like we didn't really have any sexual experiences. We were just becoming friends and we had so much in common. She was really into extreme sports. She was also big adventurer, loved novelty, into theater, art, music, all our tastes were the same, food. We just connected on so many levels. And this That's was so a woman fun. that I I was so attracted to her physically, but then I was yeah. also so attracted to her mentally. But she's like, look, I'm non-monogamous. If you want to be with me, this is going to be way beyond anything you've ever experienced. And so okay. there was this decision point of that's the about the book, Seek the Risk. And I kind of okay. went for it because it turned my world completely upside down because she was such a public person. My entire friend network, my professional network, everybody knew 
oh, Adam's in an open relationship with this self-described slut, right? And I'm using air quotes, right? but she that's how she described herself. And my entire world got turned upside down and I knew it was going to. And yet I was like, all right, let's go. I want to be with this woman. Let's see what this non-monogamy thing is really like. Okay. So even though you like identified yourself as non-monogamous in your early twenties, this was the moment where you were like, I'm going to put it to the test. Like I'm going to practice it. Yeah, my nominogamy up to that point had been my girlfriend and I having a woman join us. Okay. We're swapping with another couple. And Jane was saying, listen, I'm going to fuck whoever I want, whenever I want to. Yeah. Assuming they agreed. <laughs> Usually, Yeah, consensual, and, legal, consensual. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I had never, that kind of blew my head. And that's where all, I started questioning all these things about my own masculinity. And people were like, oh, you're a cuckold. And it was a very difficult time for me. Based on your introduction, that's not one of your kinks, right? You're, you're no. not like into the cut, and you also don't identify as a stag. Like you're not like, here's my wife, let me share her. Or like, right. was that part? Nope. Of, okay, okay. What about no. like reclaiming? I have so many fantasies of meeting someone who like wants to reclaim me when I come home from other partners, but be my main person. Like, was that part of the turn on? Like, I would love to hear the turn ons and turn offs you discovered through this relationship. I mean, we covered the DP, but so initially it was a turn off thinking of her with other men. And I had to put it out of my head. I had to pretend it wasn't happening. We had sort of a don't ask, don't tell kind of relationship. And she was also up at school and I was down in New York City. So we would only see each other for two four-day weekends a month. And the rule initially was, look, whatever you do at school, you do at school. I'll do whatever I want in New York. And then when we're together, we're only together or we're having threesomes or foursomes oh, or whatever. But okay. I'm just going to pretend that's not happening because it was too threatening to me. Does that make you feel far away from your partner, though? Well, again, this is early in the relationship. It yeah, was yeah. still, in the, this is the first first year and a half, two years of the relationship. It was so good when we were together. Like, it was so good. She was, is one of the most present people I know. Mm -hmm. When you're with her, 100%, she's there, connected. So it was hard when we weren't there. That is true. I had some pretty hard nights. But then when we were together, it felt so good. But in answer to your other question, there was no reclaiming kink or anything like that. Okay, so what did you learn about yourself in this journey of you sought the risk? Like, what were the parts that felt edgy? What were the parts that were really rewarding for you? So, you know, it's funny. I was listening to one of your episodes and you talk about, I forgot what you said, but you said the struggle. Like, the more you have to struggle in something, the more the value is, the more the return is when, when you get there. I, I can't remember exactly what your words were, but that you said. Sounds um, like something I might think. Donatello, Casey Donatello, I think yeah. that's, oh, nothing worth doing is going to be easy. I think you said uh, there's no actual growth without struggle. So that's kind of what the first part of the book about is, is me. Well, I really want to be with this woman. And this non-monogamy thing is bringing up all these emotions around jealousy and masculinity. And if these emotions are coming up, there's probably something really good to learn there about myself. And those were the things that I just decided, well, I'm going to dive into, what was it, Socrates and examined life? Uh, examined life is the only life worth living. I think it was Socrates, or maybe it was Aristotle. Can't remember. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. But I do like to examine our lives and be thoughtful about right. it, but not self-judgmental. Got to practice to be loving all the way through. So I just, I dove into the emotions and it was, it was terrifying. It was scary. And I thought I was this tough guy because of all these things I, I did in the extreme sports world, all the competitions I did. And I believed I could handle anything because I've experienced things that a lot of people haven't. And then I got totally broken down by this relationship. I became a shell of who mm -hmm. I was. I lost my sense of self. I lost my sense of masculinity. I was jealous. 
And I just was like, okay, I have to start examining this as if it was an extreme sport. And there's an environment I don't understand. And there are skills here that I do not have yet. So I have to start understanding what I need to do to get to the point where I can start not only being okay with it, but actually appreciate it and then eventually getting turned on by it. And I, I, this journey of trying to take it just tiny step by tiny step by tiny step. And the amazing thing about the journey I went on is that I, I really set out to fall deeper in love with Jane, but I ended up falling deeper in love with me because I had to really understand myself so much. And that's the beauty. I mean, to me, that is the beauty of non-monogamy that all those emotions that it brings up, all those thoughts, there's something in there and you can learn about yourself. Non-monogamy is a sharp knife and it gets through tough skin. And the toughest person can be just broken down by mm. jealousy and fear. But if you sink into it, man, up until I wrote the book, the hardest thing I'd ever did in my life was getting into this relationship with Jane. Wow. Then the hardest thing had been writing about it. I went so vulnerable in the book that I'm actually a bit surprised. I can relate to that feeling. Man, that brings up so many great conversation threads. I think the thing I want to ask you about first is what I'm hearing in your story as you tell it is a very strong motivational factor. However, I want to observe slash ask to make sure I'm understanding. It doesn't sound like it's all sex related, right? Like you met this incredible human, like, yes, sex is a part of your story. Yes, non-monogamy is obviously woven into that. But it sounds like this human that entered your life is a growth partner, a teacher, and really is the catalyst for all of this, right? Like maybe say a little bit about the motivation, because like that's a strong willingness to do discomfort. And it doesn't sound that you're like, oh, I just want to bang this chick who's a challenge, right? Like it sounds like it was so much more than that. (laughs) Totally. If she hadn't been the person who she was, in terms of all the other connections that she and I had outside of the bedrooms, I probably wouldn't have got on this journey. But it was it was such a deep connection. And I saw in her an opportunity to live out any sexual fantasy I ever wanted. Like, there was nothing that was taboo to this woman at all. I mean, she may not want to do it, but you could say anything. You could express anything about sexuality. And she was like, oh, yeah, tell me more. There was no, sh- like, you talk about, I had a zero shame on meter with her. Like, it was, like, negative. <laughs> I'd never met anyone like that before. I'd never had that freedom to just be and sink into my own questions and my own ideas and my own fantasies. And I saw in her, and and maybe this is an objectification and maybe this is an infatuation, but I saw a chance to live a life I could only dream about sexually with her. And that was really, really attractive. Yeah. I mean, and also I was the neophyte. I was an absolute, I, I went from thinking I was this sexual powerhouse to realizing I was an absolute neophyte. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's pretty cool that someone with her level of credential experience, it sounds like, like, it sounds like you really did have a strong connection if she's also willing to invest that much in a a brand new non-monogamous baby. But I know a lot of people are a lot more patient than I am. I heard you say something about toughness and vulnerability. And at Mm -hmm. this point on your journey of self-love, Like, are they even on opposite sides of the scale? Or do you think they're a little bit more like interwoven, right? Do you think having all those emotions and the difficulty, like, isn't that the toughness? Or like, how do you understand toughness now on the other side of the big... You are absolutely 100% right. And the ending of the book or the last couple chapters is where I start sinking into Mm. what's tough is being vulnerable and being okay and, and, and sharing. So when I first 
came out as open by mm-hmm. basically dating Jane. And she said, oh, we're open for my extreme sports competitors. And a friend said, you let other guys fuck your woman? What's wrong with you? Like, it was so oh, much judgment. Damn. Oh, damn. That's yeah, like the was... worst case scenario voices out loud at you oh, in a real person. Yeah. A fr- Whoa. Real person. What did you and say? Like, what? I said, I don't let her fuck other guys any more than I let her be female. Just who she, That's just who she is. It's right. just who she is. That is what I said. I thought, I thought that was a pretty good response. But what's interesting is fast forward 10 years, and now I'm working on the book. And he and I are driving to a destination. We're going backcountry skiing. We do a lot of extreme stuff. And he's asking me questions about the book. And he says, you know, and he's been married for a while. And he says, I really wish I could have sex with other women, but there's no way. I could let my wife have sex with other men, so I'm not going to do it. And then he says, you know what? You are a far stronger man than I am. It's the same guy. Whoa. Yeah. Incredible. Also, I love that story and that example of like friends continuing these conversations over the course of years. And also, yeah. like, what a good example of, like, okay, we have a different opinion. You're not going to be like, hey, fuck you, friend. Bye. We're not friends anymore. You say, okay, well, maybe we can continue to know each other and learn from each other. Yeah. A lot of what I talk about in the book is my deep – I have deep, deep friendships with people. 20, 30, 40 years. My newest friend is 10 years. We've been friends for 10 years. He's now – he's finally reaching real friend status. I cultivate deep, long friendships in my life because it is – that is the point to being alive is relationships above all else. And so this particular person is someone who I competed against and then I've done adventures with. But when he said, you're a stronger man than I, that was a moment that it hit home how much, like, yeah, that's what toughness is. That's what masculinity is. It's about being the man you want to be. It's not about second party validation. It's not about what everyone else thinks about you or your wife, girlfriend, and what they do. It's how you hold yourself and how you carry yourself. And if it takes 10 years for someone to realize Wow, you know what? You were right all along. You're a really tough, strong man. That's okay. I fucking love that. And I really, you know, I have my own version of that, right? Like one of the hottest partners I've ever been with is someone that I see off and on who is so unflappable, like unshakable, just in approval of me. We're not super close, but like loves that I'm a slut, loves that I'm a whore, like loves that I just like love to get fucked, obviously loves that I do it safely, Mm -hmm. which I do. Okay, I want to talk about health and safety and the conversations you have with people and how that's evolved over the years. But first, I want to talk about when on this journey, you discovered your own butthole and prostate massages, because I have been practicing these lately. And it's one of my favorite things to put fingers inside of people, regardless of their parts. But where was that on your journey of personally opening up? Right. I think actually the first time a woman played with my asshole, I think I was 25. Good. And, yeah. And it felt really good. And she was a lot younger. She was like 18. I had been her climbing instructor a couple of years before, and then we reconnected and she loved to be a slut. And we went out and had a great time. And then while she was going down on me, she put her finger in my ass. And I was, without, without discussion. Well, it wasn't just like ram it in there. It kind of circled around for a while. It got in and eventually it's just, then she was teasing it and then it went in and it was like one of the strongest orgasms I'd ever had up to that point. It was phenomenal. But then it wasn't until I was with Jane, my to-be wife, that that started again. Like, But in between, that was like 10 years in between that no one had, had played with 
that piece of me before it. And there's probably a piece of me that felt resistive to it because I was still learning what sex, I was learning who I was, I was learning what everything meant. It's like, oh, she played with my ass. What does that mean? You know, there's a masculinity continuum. Where where do, where do I fit on that if, yeah. if I like things in my ass? Totally. Well, and I certainly have also encountered penis-owning partners where it's like, it's one thing if they're, air quotes, letting me do it, right? If I'm initiating it, you know, if I, and, and this is why I ask really, I'm so are you a never put it in your ass type of person? So I really listen to their response. So, cause if someone's like, no, I'm not, I'm not a never, no, 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 you know, like that's one thing versus someone who's like, oh, well, uh, you know, cause I really like the positive request, right? So it is a different thing for some people to ask for that versus to just receive it when it's offered. I think I would have a hard time asking. Yeah. And maybe that's across all things. Maybe it's not just a butt thing too, right? I mean, some days I have a really hard time asking unless I'm so overwhelmed by desire that I'm like, I really need to be slapped in the face by your cock and then please spank me a lot of, you know, like, but it has to get for me to a really extreme point. Otherwise, I'm really big on receiving what's offered, but I've started to find out how as a submissive, I can offer more to my partners by being clear about my desires which means I have to get to know and love myself more and more every day, actively ongoing, blah, 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 because I'm changing. But okay, so speaking of change, and normally I do this early on to like get it out of the way, but I do want to talk about health and safety and your practices Mm -hmm. around health and safety and the conversations that you have with partners in this non-monogamous lifestyle. Condoms are the default and I get tested once every, I'm not all that sexually active right now. This year has been six months and I try to get tested every six months, regardless of what's going on. But if I'm very sexually active every three months, once I start having sex with someone regularly, I really prefer the condoms to come off. I've noticed as I've gotten older, that point gets quicker and quicker. Okay. Is there usually a conversation that happens about like fluid bonding and like if we have sex yeah. with other people unprotected? Yeah. What is it? Yeah. Something like that? Okay. Once the condoms come off, it's like, hey, how many other people are you having unprotected sex with? And if you do, let me know if you're someone new, so to speak, like, oh, we had unprotected sex. So it's communication. I wouldn't say that I am overly militant about the conversation, but I have the conversation. It's one of those things you need to have. And I don't ask to see people's STI reports. No one's ever asked to see mine, but I I believe people when they tell me. When at the point where the condoms are coming off, I usually have a good feel for the person whether they're lying to me or not, I would hope. I mean, listen, I'm 53. I've had chlamydia and crabs, but not at the same time, you know. Okay. It happens. (laughs) (laughs) I just always ask, and I just like to get it out there for the sake of normalization. Here's a question. In the condom zone, do you still use them for blowjobs or is it for penetrative sex only? Only penetrative sex. Okay. Well, I just want to remind everyone that is the reason I have herpes in my throat. Because <laughs> I like deep throating. Oh, which is another thing we got to talk about. You like receiving yes. deep throating. I do like deep throating, but I've never really met someone who can deep throat me. Wait, then how do you know you like it? I like it when they try to get close, but they <sighs> no one's... I'm sorry. People have deep throating, but it's never all the way. So do you have a large penis? Like, gir- Is it girthy? Is it curvy? Is it... No, it's straight. It's pretty straight. <laughs> So for me, if I have a hard time deep throating, sometimes I can't fucking figure out why. Like there's like an angles thing to each cock. Some of them just slip right in and it, and those can be even on the larger size. But like I do have a partner where when they are at full hardness, I can no longer fit it in. But there's the like semi-hard moment and then sometimes it'll grow and I can feel that. So is that, is it like usually a that semi-hard, kind of Semi-hard, yeah, semi-hard has happened, but when okay. it's been fully hard, okay. 
No one's ever taken it on me. Well, I haven't met someone who can. I I know there are people who could. I've seen. No, we're a big fan of saying, well, not yet. (laughs) I hold hope for the future always. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's funny. I have a bucket list. I want to throat pie someone. I want to have a. I want to come with. All the way down. Wow, yeah, all that's the way so hot. I mean, here's the thing. I finally got that this year because that was on my bucket list. But as the receiver, I can't really feel it. Like I actually, I'm like, come out a little bit so I can, because t- it just goes, it goes past right. to the part where I can feel it. But I it know, is very so hot, hot. <laughs> to be like airtight for me too, to just get like yeah. choked like that. Okay, what about giving? What sensations do you love giving to your partners? I love doing things that get vocal responses from women. Mm. So, I mean, if someone said, what do you love doing? Like, I will pretty much do anything to her that makes her moan in a way, because that's so satisfying. I mean, I like all the basic basic going down a woman. What's the correct way to say going down on a woman? It's going down. Licking pussy. Well, what turns you on? I think it's what turns you on the most in that moment, day of. Like, I'll say going down on people. I'll say pussy licking. You know, it depends on the particular position. Maybe you're face sitting. Maybe you're worshiping the cunt. I don't know. It's like, what what phrases make you I actually love pussy licking from behind when a woman's on all fours. So hot. That's so hot. Do you like to lick assholes, too? I recently had a partner that was, like, doing both. both. Yeah, you do? Okay. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I do. I had my first I like experience. anything with the butt. Yeah. No, same. so yeah. getting licked from behind on my pussy mostly, but then having both holes played with is what got me recently to my first infinity orgasm. And I was like, oh my God. Uh, what's like, an it was, infinity orgasm? It just wasn't stopping. I, I don't know if that's oh. a real word. Um, that's what I called it. And I wasn't sure what was happening until afterward. I had to be like, break it down for me. What just happened? You know, it was the most intense experience I had had in quite a while. And then I just like collapsed after and talk about vulnerable. Like it was such an intense, because there was a point where I was like, I think I'm just still coming. Nope, I'm definitely still coming, and it's not going to stop. I was like, are your hands okay? Because it was a long time. The point is, it was pussy licking from behind that, like, took me to the next level with the, like, fingers doing whatever. Yeah, that that gets me so fucking hot, doing that. I mean, that's, yeah, I don't know why, but... (laughs) You were talking about following like the noises of the people. Do you tend to sort of just like explore around to see what gets the most noises? Or do you have verbal conversations that are like, give me your one, two, three. How do I, what's your user manual? You know what? I really like the exploration. I love peeling the layers back slowly and and figuring out. I like the puzzle. I have conversations in my business world. I, I want to, I don't know. There's something about, I know there are people who do have conversations, but it feels so rigid to me for mm. some reason and not judging i it's funny I, I was recently hooking up with a woman recently within the last year and a half yeah. and i was having a tough time kind of reading her we, yeah, we yeah. It'd been nice and good and finally i said hey maybe we could have a cut like, that was the first time i'd ever actually been like hey let's let's have a conversation i'd love to know what really turns you on and she gave me a page and a half typed thing that she had that she gave out to her lovers and i was like Oh, you've given me a memo. Okay, thank you. Okay. <laughs> it was it was just very business-like. And okay. it was it was interesting. I mean, it was great. I've heard of that in like non-monogamous kinky spheres of people who have written out things. I personally yeah. am like, I don't want you to do only those things. And also, what will we explore together in this wild unknown? But also like my body changes every right. day. And my body, I think, I, I mean, I am not a scientist. They haven't studied enough pheromones. Although I'm like, after hearing your story, I'm like, could we get a study funded about people who have more threesomes in their pheromones? There's got to be something there. (laughs) 
I feel like there's got to be something there. They're not going to fund that study, talk, but talk to my ex-wife. She's a sex researcher. So. <laughs> That's so cool. Yeah. So, well, I want to hear first about any other turn-ons in your sexy sphere that we haven't gotten to yet. Like any things that make you hot, like specifics, locations, like, and do you fuck on your adventures? Like, have you done, you, like, you know, yes, sometimes. Uh, I haven't done an underwater fucking. The breathing okay. makes okay. it. That's that breathing no, but, thing. but I have a listener who writes me some very interesting emails and sends links about aquafilia and about kind of like the compression of the school. I'm like, I'm not enough of a scuba e to do it, but I'm like, color me curious oh, if I were in the doing, right. They're scuba. Right. I get to. So I'm a free diver. So, anyway, free diving, you only get down, you only have a few minutes. So, it doesn't. Damn. Have those breath holding skills come in handy when you're going down on a pussy? Yeah. Because <laughs> like, for me, sometimes it is a matter of how, like, just how deep in I get, you know? It becomes more of an issue with when the tongue's in the asshole, actually. Exactly. The breathing. No, that's that's, no, that's really what is. it really the breathing Well, and because the ass cheeks can, can yeah. pinch my nose to that. <laughs> exactly. There's something actually I want to bring up because in your outro of your podcast, you say, if you don't know someone, you need to come at them with something of value if you want to interact with them sexually. This is my new memo of 2024, irresistible invitations. Yes. I'm like, what are you offering? And I, I totally get that. But what I want to push back on you is that even if you do know them, in fact, when you know them, it's hot, hot, hot to have transactional sex. I love transactional sex with someone I'm involved with, someone, a girlfriend, oh, a long-term girlfriend. I don't, I don't think those things are at odds with one another. Well, they're not, but it was, it was, the, the outro is like, you need to come with something of value. It's like, even if you know, you said, if you don't know someone, come with them with something of value. I'm like, well, if you do know someone, you can come with them. My assumption there is if you know someone and have chosen to keep them in your life, it's because they continue to provide value to your life or you're stuck with them because <laughs> they're related to you. <laughs> but I, I definitely have a kink of trading house. I, I'm a, I build houses. So I love coming over with my tool belt and fixing someone's house for a blowjob. Or I... <laughs> You're on the you're on the East Coast. Damn it! No, I'm on the West Coast. I'm like I'm right near LA. You are? Yeah. I mean, well, I'm in Colorado right now. Oh, really? Oh, and I'm you're in just LA all the time. You have some housework. You I literally do. Program. I literally do. So I literally was just talking to someone where I'm like, I have this kink, and now for me, I was like, I was like, is this getting? A submissive? Like, am I? Am I? Because that was kind of one of my December bucket list items. I was like, I don't know. You know, I'm. I've only done dominant things for work. Like in my personal life, I'm a submissive. But I'm like, you know, I could see a scenario in which maybe someone's cleaning with me. Could I help them clean? I don't really want to. I don't know if I want to be in charge of someone in everyday life. But I love transactional things because as a person whose brain can't fucking figure out the social norms, I'm like, all right, what do you want from me? All right, here's what I need from you or here's... A menu of options that would be hot and got, nice for me. You got some me. plumbing issues. You got some carpentry issues. Literally do. Can't can't get my bathroom. Well, I think I can fix this later. But my bathroom stopper is currently broken. I have a shelf I need to put up. I got to put on a new closet door. And I have to refix oh, my sink sweetheart. thing. <laughs> Wait, talk. so first of all, we'll talk after this. Second of all, so you've done this? Like with tool belt? Like what do you mean? Oh, like, absolutely. Oh, no, this is a kink of mine. How do you bring this up? Fucking... How do you talk about it? Because I was like, how do I ask people for this? Am well, again, I pervy? This is, this is, I've only done this with, with partners, with people who know. Oh, you were already. It's a kink of my, I love transaction. And sometimes it's purely paying. Sometimes I'll call my partner up and be like, I'll give you X number of dollars to get over here and suck my cock right now. That's so hot. Wait, 
Can I? I just have to narrate what just happened because that's not going to be in the video recording. But on your screen, when you said that, the little thumbs up emoji just popped up and did a thumbs up and then disappeared. (laughs) It's the new (laughs) iOS update. So that is hilarious. (laughs) So Apple approves. Okay, so it's been mostly with partners, but you've paid them for sex. That's so. I mean, that's my top. Like, that's top 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 hot i don't really have an interest in paying strangers for sex that's not kinky to me i have paid strangers for sex at points but paying a partner for sex is just i don't know why that's so kinky to me and friends obviously i have a lot of flexible friends and whenever they need work done they're like i'll give you a blowjob you come over and the sink needs uh needs the new trap put in or i need i need my circuits moved and outlet moved or Is it like, are you like, I need to focus on the job and then we have fun? Or is it like, can you be like hammering and then your person is just like, let me just unzip that for a second and then like going back? Or do you like prefer to have it separate? All all the above. Okay. Okay. You're open. I mean, novelty seeking, right? But the sex has to be at the end. Like we can tease. There can be teasing. I mean, I think you're living in a new paradigm where you can come four times if it's an intense, exciting moment. So I think you could I think you could just follow your heart. I say, follow your heart, follow your part, you'll be good to go. So damn, that's go. so hot. Okay, what else? What else? What other turn-ons do we not know about you? So this girlfriend I had when I was 25, first real relationship I had, she was the first woman I was with a lot that liked anal sex. And that's where I really had a lot of, and we had this one, this is amazing. This happened 30 years ago. We were in a hotel on a ski trip and they had a steam shower in the hotel room we were in. And it was hands down, like the greatest anal sex of my life in this steam shower for like an hour. It was just the sweat and the steam and the hot and the body. I mean, we were both 25. We were just incredible. And she's up against the wall and I'm behind her. Did you still use lube though? Oh yeah. Yeah. Lots of lube. We had lots of that. Yeah. We had lots of, kept applying more. You could even do water-based lube in a steam shower because you'd always be having the moisture. You know, with water-based lube, sometimes you got to add water because it gets sticky. Dude. So this was this incredible experience that happened 30 years ago. Okay. Oh yeah, totally standing up the entire. I mean, for an hour we were in there, and it was just we just when I finally came in her ass, and we left that shower, and we were just like, oh my god, what just happened? Damn. What's amazing to me is I have never really done that again, and I build houses, and just this year I was like, what the fuck am I doing? Why don't I put a steam shower in my house? <laughs> Which is what I'm doing this winter in my house here in Colorado. Is I'm putting a steam Ooh. shower in purely because like. Why have I waited this long to do it? So I'm like building the shower. I've just, I'm just starting to rebuild the bathroom and I'm like, oh God, this is crazy. Okay, well, just... when you christen it with someone, maybe you'll want to come back and share details with a past guest update. I don't know, I'm just saying. Absolutely. Cool. Okay, anything, anything else before I ask you other questions? Like other just turn-ons, things you love? Well, I finally did have my first prostate massage. Like an actual prostate massage. Like I, yeah, there's yeah, this yeah. whole thing. I, my wife really liked pegging and she pegged me a couple of times and then once actually blogged about it to the entire world. How was that for you? There's a whole scene in the book about it. I don't want to give away, but all of a sudden a friend called me and was like, you know, you're, you're being pegged online. I was like, wait, what? Okay. And that was my whole question. thing exploded oh. between us. Yeah. We broke up actually over it for a brief <sighs> period of time. But her point was like, I talk about our sex all the time. 
all of a sudden this one thing I can't talk about, what's your problem? It was just interesting. She was like, I talk about watching girls suck your cock and you're totally okay with it. And so there was this real mental battle that I was in with my head. It's like, well, she's right on some level, but the other level, shouldn't she talk to me? But I've been okay with everything else. Mm. But anyway, so there's a conflict in my brain around being a man who likes his ass played with. So fast forward after we had now, she and I are no longer together. And I have an ex who's a massage therapist who now is giving sensual massages. And so I actually had shoulder surgery and I couldn't jack off. And so I said, <gasps> oh Hey, I want to come in for a session. And she said, great. And she said, you know, I offer prostate massages. Like, you know, I've actually never <gasps> had my prostate actually massaged. I've had fingers up there, but no one. Yeah. And yeah. she did. And my God, that was so, and that's only happened once. So far. I have to find someone else to, to I have to find my next partner who might, might be willing to do that. And I can't even believe I'm saying this out loud, but. <laughs> oh, well, I mean, don't you think this is a perfect example of we got to be the change we want to see? And it's like, you Absolutely. know, we say so far, we put it out there. We literally putting it out there because who knows? I mean, I have the same thing, right? Like I am practicing again, 2024, I am practicing giving, offering and receiving irresistible invitations. Like, I really just want to do a good yeah. job identifying my desires and inviting people into them. And it's, for me, scary, vulnerable. What else is on your horizon to discover or explore, both in your personal life? And then, like, what do you wish would happen for the world's sexuality? Like, I want to hear your personal stuff first, and then we'll get into broad noodles about making the world a sexier, more loving place. So it's funny. In the 10 years I was with Jane, I got to live out my bucket list. I crossed that cross just about everything off my bucket list except the throat pie. So I, I don't have a lot of things that I'm looking to do other than a life partner would be great. As much as I appreciate non-monogamy, I, I don't call myself polyamorous. I want a primary partner. I want a single romantic relationship and then have some flexibility. So what's on the horizon is I'm looking for that person who has a evolvedness about sexuality and sex that I can be 100% open because I it's hard. You don't meet a lot of people that you can. And that was one of the best things about being with Jane is that there was no judgment about any. It didn't matter yeah. what my brain thought of around sex. And I want that openness. I want that freedom. I want that connection. I want that respect. I want that excitement from a partner who who celebrates the way I express to the world. That's what I would like. At the same time, I, I do like sex, so having some constant sex would be good. At the moment, there is no constant sex. I well, a, may constant yeah. sex lead you to that relationship? Maybe yes, I'm that, too course. Pollyanna, but I really, I'm like, I love getting to know people through sex. I just also need the piece where we're getting to know each other, not just totally. being you. I mean, if you're going to use me as a tool, there are specific scenarios in which we can make that a happy, energetic exchange. Right. But it's like if we're getting to know each other, I think it's such a maybe it's not the cultural norm, but my hope for you. No, I agree with you. I totally agree. That's that's what I'm saying. It'd be nice to be having sex with someone and getting to know them. I recently scared away a crush by asking him to have sex or asking him, you know, about the timeline or the conversation that might need to be in place for us to talk about moving to that next step. Didn't hear from him again after that. Maybe there was other factors at play, but I thought I was being real gentle, but... Men are fearful, and that's kind of why I wrote What's the book. What's the scary we part? Are, yeah. We are fearful. Like, if there's something that makes us uncomfortable, we shy away. And, and I've had this overarching MO in my life is I want to get comfortable being uncomfortable. Yeah. I want to get to that point where being uncomfortable is an interesting feeling, not a scary feeling, right? Things should be exciting because of the fear, not in spite of it. And so when your partner says what you said, 
and it makes you uncomfortable, like if it makes you uncomfortable, you should probably run towards it. Right. I mean, at the same time, I'm like, I don't need to be that person's teacher if that's where they are in their journey. They're just totally. going to poof away. I need someone who's like going to actually at least be able to be like, hey, you're so nice. I can't communicate anymore now. I'm scared. You know, yeah. like, but I'm like, I'm learning yeah. that, you know, to go back to my noodle on regular human lies. It's like, I get it. It's normal to ghost people. I think it's a terrible norm, but it's, you know, it's, it's, it's not, sort of it's, like. I've never, I don't ghost and I hate being ghosted. Yeah. It's, it's a terrible thing. It's a digital thing. That's a it happened in the digital A's. It's so normal it for people. Normalized. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Well, and, and and receiving no is hard for a lot of us, and that's why it's hard for some of us. Or it's like I, I noodle that it's hard for some of us to ask for what we want because we live in a culture where no's are sometimes like getting our whole selves rejected. But it sounds like you had, I mean, maybe a really spoiling experience. I don't want to lead you into this, but like how do you feel in this new era where you are seeking new partnership after having a partnership of full kinky permission for yourself? Yeah, it is interesting. It has turned off a couple women okay. when they find out my past. But then again, it's turned on a lot of others. So mm -hmm. it's self-selecting, you know. <laughs> okay, so what do you noodle we need collectively to make the world a sexier, more loving place? Well, certainly we need to normalize conversations around sex. That talking about sex, it's not a taboo. It's not this thing that that is talked about in hushed whispers. We all have sex. Everyone's sexual. That seems to be happening. It's just slow. But certainly when I was a kid uh, in the late 80s, sex was not something that was really talked about in normal circles. So you were a penis owner who has, sounds like, always been pretty in concert with his cock. However... I would like you to speak to mm, this cultural norm we have that hardness is the most important aspect of, I'm going to say this with air quotes, performance. It sounds like mm -hmm. you maybe have a different perspective or perhaps some knowledge, even though your cock has always worked with you, like, or I, I won't put words in your mouth, you can tell us well, your experience, but like, what yeah, are the most important, is, is having <laughs> a hard boner the most important thing in sex is my leading question. I think it depends on the situation, but as I've gotten older and in my 20s, the cock was all about the cock. Yeah, let me see. Let me show you how I use my cock. And, and I will as... point out that's when you self said earlier that you were not very good at sex. Your words from earlier. Yes. <laughs> okay, just going to yes, point that out. One hundred percent. Yeah, I, and you know, it's funny. About my mid 20s, I started having, I started really being attracted to older women. Started dating women in their 40s, and that's actually how I started getting good at sex. Was starting to have sex with older women who were like, "No, you're doing it wrong." <laughs> You know, they just taught me how to pay attention to your partner. I remember very clearly a woman, all right, we're going to show you how to lick pussy, right? And an uh, older ballet dancer taught me how to have the right way to have anal sex, how to prepare a woman, how to do it correctly so she's going to enjoy it. And I credit any ability that I have in my sexual realm from these experiences I had as a young man in my 20s with these women in their 40s and 30s. If you're a young guy out there in your 20s, you have to start having sex with older women. And you just like, and if they'll have sex with you, of course. Or like do special. some learning on your own and then go do it, right? Like we don't have to turn, I mean, I, I do. I'm a person that definitely turns everyone into my teacher for better or worse. But it's like, you know, I mean, it's, it, it is so beautiful. And also there's many ways to learn. And also like learning to warm up an asshole directly from a person is so hot. Oh it's God. definitely my yeah, favorite way to just, learn. It has... Honestly, that was the best sexual gift any woman ever gave me was that lesson I got from her. And then this period of time that we were together having a lot of anal sex. But as I've gotten older and the repertoire has increased beyond the cock, the sex becomes this. You can just sit there and 
play with someone with your finger for an hour, you know, when she's tied up or something. It doesn't matter whether your cock's working or not. You can give someone the greatest night of their life and your pants can stay on. So as I've gotten older, I have gotten away from the hardness of the cock. And even though saying that, it does feel really good when my cock is really hard and women really appreciate a very hard cock. That is one of those feelings that I absolutely love when the cock is really hard and the woman's just loving it. So yes, I've moved away from it, but boy, it's nice when it's there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It also sounds like you're not a particularly high anxiety person just from talking to you, which I know anxiety can, and like fear of performance can really affect people. Yeah. And I think that stems, and the book talks a lot about this in terms of performance, because in the extreme sports I competed in, you cannot have anxiety. You cannot yeah. have anything that's going to distract you from performance, you learn how to compartmentalize so well. You learn how to take fear and reframe it. You learn how to, to look at situations completely differently. You look, you learn how to find the mindset of just that space so you can perform. Because in extreme sports, if you misperform, it can have consequences which aren't very good. So yeah, I don't have a lot of anxiety, you're right. Yeah. No, I I hear that. And I I just want to call that out because I think oftentimes, you know, people just want to pop a pill or do kind of a quick fix instead of dealing with the connection of the relationship, their connection to themselves, their self-love, you know, and I just want to say to all penis owners out there, you know, I definitely had a really good friend who started Cialis in his early 20s, not knowing that it gets less and less and less effective the older you get. So I am just all for people like really checking in with themselves. Yeah, take time. I, I want to share a personal story with you about a penis staying in the pants and it was really hot. So I had a partner recently where our agreement was he was just going to play with my asshole. Like he really wanted to play with an asshole first time for him. And I was like, mm, okay, we'll see. You know, so we put on the gloves. I was like teaching him to go slow. He did not go slow enough, but he was like so, so excited because it was his first time with someone who's like really into butt stuff playing with it. And he also had been edging himself for a while and it got so hot. Like it was so, so hot. We both got so turned on. He ended up coming in his pants for the first time since he was a teenager and he was much older now. So it's like that was things where we were just like super, super turned on the cock state in the pants. And then he masturbated to it a lot later. And so we were just like very happy about that. So it's awesome. My personal share. Thanks for listening. <laughs> yeah, no, it's great. It's got me kind of like, like, oh, I remember coming in my pants. <laughs> right. And, and, and that's fun, too. Right. But it's something that oftentimes I think we get in. We have this idea that like an adult sexual experience has to be this certain way. But what do we love more than anything is to feel young to feel like a little bit out of control in these ways that are safe and exciting and surprising for me for me i'll speak for myself okay anything else about your sex life before i ask you my fantasy questions Ooh, fantasy questions i mean you know i am someone who just like loves the one-off blowjob in the bathroom at a restaurant all right or so somewhere hard. like behind a tree quick or i once fucked jane on the edge of the grand canyon from behind we were just looking out into the that's into so the hot Oh, that's so yeah. hot. Have you ever come over a cliff? I love to ask people this question. So far, I've not met a penis that has jacked off on, into a canyon, but... I have had so sex hot. on cliffs from climbing. Okay. I, I want to watch someone cliffs. come over a cliff safely, right? And I want to slow-mo video it. Like, that's one of my just, like, random bucket list fantasies. I'm like, or at least hear a story about it. Well, no one has I'll, come I'll over a cliff happily, happily okay. be okay. your, your, your subject. You want to watch someone... <laughs> If you want to film, I know you're a filmmaker. But see, but yes, yes, no. Maybe uh, it and could I, be a scene in Mission 69 on Mars or something. Yes, and just, I mean, 
I there's a lot of good things you can do with like come and zero gravity that I think we just have not seen enough of yet. So I'm right. I'm come curious and all and all. But Mars has the biggest canyon anywhere in in our solar oh, that's system. Right. So, that's right. So, so that's right. So that's a really so this, oh. maybe some guy <laughs> wants to fly to Mars and come off. And it would Mars. go really slowly. <laughs> I think, or I don't know. I I can't remember Mars gravity right now. I think it's less. It's less. We're point, it's much point yeah, six, it's bigger. Point six. Yeah. Okay. So. If you had to be a sex worker mm-hmm. for two years, we mm-hmm. suddenly live in a world where that's the community service we all do. Like maybe at the cusp of adulthood, mm-hmm. maybe at any point in our lives because it's a new law. What kind of sex worker would you be? What kind? Yeah. How would you serve? Well, I know that I would love to be the man who shows that women hire to come teach them how to enjoy anal sex. <gasps> that's Ooh. what I would love. I love that. That's hot. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Ooh. And I've had a lot of good feedback. A rule you wear well. <laughs> it's, I've had good feedback that I was taught well. It would be nice yeah. for you to get properly appreciated right. for your skills. Right, because I've met many women who said, I don't like it in my ass. And when they, someone who does it the correct way, they're like, oh, right. I really Because when you go like slow it. enough and do <laughs> enough teasing and enough gentling, the yes, asshole welcomes you in. Yes, yes. You let the asshole lead. That's very good. I, you want to hear a really hot story about that? Yes. So I was dating this girl, this is years ago, and she had this really young roommate. We were like 25, 26, she was maybe 20. And she was always seeing me dating her roommate, and we were always hearing us having crazy sex. She was this little church girl. Boom. Fast forward 10, 15 years, I get a text. Hey, I just moved to New York City. I was in New York City. She's like, I'd love to go out with you. And I was like, just grab a drink or whatever. And so... We go out, grab a drink. She is like totally religious, totally comes from this background, but she's thinking of stepping away from the church. So anyway, we go out, have a lovely date. She says, look, I always just want to start getting into sex. That first night, she's like, I've never really given a blowjob. I want to give a blowjob. She gave me a blowjob that night. And we started this relationship where we're starting to explore. And her whole thing was like, I think I want to try anal sex for six months. We're working up to it, right? I, it took a while. She was she had all kinds of socialization issues and shame issues around mm. growing up in the church and such. So anyway, finally one night well, we're having this really sexy night. We're like have a martini. We're out somewhere. We come back to the apartment and it was just the night. And with fully clothed, she's bent over the countertop. I'm on my knees with my tongue, working her ass, working her ass with my tongue, fingers, getting her so hot. And I finally just slipped my cock in her ass and I fucked her ass over the countertop that night. And she filled up her boots with cum that night and screamed so loud. My neighbors the next day were like, who did you fuck last night? And then she went back to the church. (laughs) <laughs> no, I hope she. Yes, I hope she went back to the church and kept her kinky parts, her slutty parts, or like maybe know. just with one person. Wow, that was she like a six month workup to it. Yeah, it was. It was so built up, so built up, and I still remember that orgasm, yeah. like my own orgasm. Wow. It was, but yeah, she filled up her like she poured the cum out of her boots, so or the crazy. flute, whatever the squirting. Damn, out of her I mean, boots. I can't, yeah, that's cum. That's so sexy. Also. I just want to point out, you know, yes, you're a novelty seeker, but you like a good project. I think that's hot, like it's that fun, combination, yeah. you know, because it's because for me, it's such a different experience, right? To have someone that I may never see again versus someone who I am building, you know, exploration with. That's really cool. Right. 
There you go. So if I was a sex worker, that's the work I would like to do. I love that. Okay, this one, I wonder if you've thought about, I mean, you could probably make this come true for yourself, but in this fantasy question, you have an unlimited budget to build, or someone else can do it for you, your perfect playroom, dungeon, castle, whatever structure you want. What is it like? What is it happening? I know. I knew you were going to ask me this question because you ask it to all year. And I think I even said in my email, I'm not that kinky. I, I don't like... That's okay. It doesn't have to be kinky. The thing I'm building, I'm building a steam shower. You're doing so it. You're like, I'm already doing it. <laughs> I'm doing it. I just, so it's like, I, I don't have a dungeon. I just, I want a steam shower to have anal sex in. And I am currently building it. I have to pour some self-leveling that. cement tonight after we're off the phone. Oh, that's so, that's <laughs> hot. Well, okay, let me rephrase this question, see if I get a different answer. In my future vision of Wyo's ideal sexy world, there is like a museum slash play space, you know, so in Monday through Friday, it's a museum space, you do sex ed, there's erotic art, it's beautiful, it's sectioned off. So here's the family part, here's the naughty sexy part. On the weekends, daytime, it becomes a play space. Obviously, it has a great gift shop, there's toys, there's beautiful lingeries, there's all sorts of spaces for workshopping and learning. What do you think needs to go in there? Like, what can I definitely not miss? Big bed for threesome. Like, I'm like, based off your stuff, yeah, there's got to be like a good butt situation. But like, what yeah, do I got to put something, in there? A nice, someone, something you can bend someone over. One of those horses you can bend someone I over. Have yeah, a whole row of them. Bed. I want a row mirrors. of things. Yeah. Mirrors. Yeah. Oh, that's like when you were talking with Casey Donatello and she yeah. was saying how her husband gets off more watching himself on the screen. Love all of it. And, and I was like, I get that. When I'm having sex with someone, I want to watch it in the mirror. I don't want to watch it up close. I yeah. want to see it from a distance oh, in a mirror. It's so, I, so, yeah, I think mirrors are important. Okay. Things people can be bent over. Yeah, <laughs> Things you, I mean, obviously you need restraints on the bed so someone can get clipped oh, yeah. in. Oh, they, they're going to be everywhere. Yeah. Oh, yeah, uh, he's obviously. not kinky at all. Just restrain him on the bed. Totally vanilla. But that's not, <laughs> I mean, that, listen. It is. Well, so that's where I'm like, nope, kink is getting normalized. We got to talk about it. <laughs> My wife had a live-in sex slave that slept in a cage that's so hot. upstairs. I love cages. So, with, with padding on the bottom, I hope? Or was it a mean cage? He had to build the cage himself. It was this young kid who oh, they cool. had a whole arrangement. I don't know if it was padded or not, but okay. he built it. She made him build it. And so she took kink to a level that I had even a tough time watching them play. So that's okay. why I don't think of yeah. myself as kinky. She always she always introduced me as her vanilla husband. <laughs> well, just because you're with someone who was way more kinky than you doesn't mean you're not kinky. <laughs> But I hear okay. that, maybe a, by a comparison. is good, yeah. Okay. A little rope okay. tie. I'm very good with ropes as a climber, so, you know. <laughs> yes, uh, yes. So you need a lot of ropes. You need ropes That's around cool. in many See, different lengths. Ropes is important. Amazing. Yeah. Wow. Okay, lovers, you can go find Adam's book and more info at seektherisk.net. Adam, thank you so much for being a guest on Sex Stories. Of course. And you can email me at adam at seektherisk.net. I'd love to hear from people, so please, please reach out. Lovely humans. Thank you for listening. If you appreciate the work that I put into this podcast, I would love it if you took the time to leave us five stars and a nice review wherever you get your podcasts, especially Spotify, since last year's troll attack on our ratings is still affecting our ability to be found via search. <laughs> I do love getting to know you and hearing your stories and meeting you lovely humans in real life. And remember, if you want to collaborate, Apply to be a guest or leave us a single story voice memo via xstoriespodcast.com or sexstoriespodcast.com. Sex stories are always going to be my favorite, but now I also have question lists for love, friendship, dating, relationships, marriage, divorce, secrets, and so much more so that we can learn about connection through each other's experiences. 
I fucking love getting your emails and voice memos and receiving thoughtful noodle messages. It truly is hearing from you that fuels this work for me. And if you want to go deeper with me, get to know me, and support this podcast in meaningful, concrete ways, find me on Patreon, OnlyFans, FetLife, Venmo, Cash App, and all social media platforms at Wiley, or work with me privately for photo and video shoots, relationship support, creative breakthrough sessions, and retreats. Wiley.com slash links is where you can find the list of all the ways to play with me, and the link is in the description below. Thank you for joining me to spread ripples of love, to co-create a world where taking care of each other is the norm. Thank you for spoiling and inspiring me with your stories and your support. Please take care of yourselves, take care of each other, and remember to share stories in the name of lovely human connection. 